This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Podcast Bookers, podcastbookers.com. Podcasts are really hot, right? But you know what's also really hot? Appearing as a guest on one of the many, many podcasts out there. Think about it. Much easier than writing a guest blog post. You get some high-quality content. You get great backlinks. People want to share that content. Maybe you can even transcribe that content. Being a guest on podcasts, getting yourself booked on podcasts is a really, really great SEO tactic, great brand-building tactic. Podcast bookers can get you booked on two to three to four podcasts every single month on autopilot. Go check it out, podcastbookers.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is John Corcoran. He is a former writer in the White House of Presidents. I, I knew I was going to mess that up, but anyway, I'll start again. Presidential letters and messages during the Clinton administration and a speechwriter in the California governor's office during the Davis administration. And we're not going to talk about politics because he was, I think you're also a lawyer too, right, John? And I am, yeah. Lots of reasons to hate me. Politics, lawyer. What a mess this show is going to be. So welcome. <laughs> Thanks for joining me, John. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, John. Thanks for having me. So you were, last time I was out in Santa Barbara, we got together. You, um, I think you paid for my dinner, which was awesome. Um, and you told me a little bit about something that is somewhat new for you. Um, and I, and we'll kind of air all of this out. But uh, let's start off by talking, tell me a little bit about this uh, Rise 25. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, um, so uh, I, like many of your clients, um, was was trading hours for dollars as a lawyer. And when you're a lawyer, you realize that you can only work on one client at a time. You can only charge as much as the bar market will bear. And where do you go from there? And so long story, but, you know, got into blogging and podcasting and doing those sorts of things in order to expand my reach and eventually teamed up with my business partner, Dr. Jeremy Weiss. And we what we've been doing is helping other professional services, business owners who were much like ourselves and who did one on one type of work and help them to kind of make the shift to one to many so that they can free up more of their time and that they can impact a larger community of people. So. Everyone today is being advised to become an expert in their field. Um, how do we afford to have everyone be an expert? I mean, what, what, what does that even mean anymore? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How do you become an expert? Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that it would be possible for everyone to be viewed as an expert because then, you know, um, if everyone's viewed as an expert, then there's got to be someone who's at a higher level. But it certainly, you know, what's valuable, I think, is elevating your profile, um, whether that means just in your local community, whether that means something nationally, whether that means expressing yourself through content. I know you're a big advocate of content. Um, but I certainly think that establishing your bona fides as an authority and someone who knows your stuff in your field you know, that's never going to harm you, whether you decide that you just want more high quality one on one clients or whether you want to make the shift like you have with your business or others have like I have into more of a leverage type of model where you're serving people in a one to many capacity. So I've been doing this long enough. You, you see these things come and go. And it seems like all of a sudden 
the advice to carve out a very specific niche and just become an expert in that niche seems to have right. re- resurfaced uh, lately with the online kind of Facebook advertising crowd. Um, is that is in your mind? Is that really pro- one of the best paths to go down if you do want to sort of stand out and position yourself as an expert? You know, I think that it can be fraught with peril if you if you choose the wrong niche. But I do agree. I think that there are too many people who try and be everything to everyone or something. But most people don't start off that way. Most people start off with a particular expertise in one particular field. And, you know, that also helps them get referred, which is a huge engine of growth. As you know, you wrote the book on it. You know, it it helps people to know what type of business they should send towards you if you define your scope. If you say, this is the type of person that I want to work with. This is a limited field. Now, you know, you and I both are somewhat general generalists, right? In that we both, you know, it's not like you and I are both working with flower shop owners and, and yoga studio owners and only that niche. We're working in water, wider areas. So I think, you know, you can always feel like, oh man, I, I need to narrow it even further. But I, I think that the bigger danger is when you're you're way too broad and you're just trying to serve anyone who comes in because then people just don't know who you are. They don't know who to refer to you. They don't know what you stand for or what type of market you're serving for. I think that's the bigger danger for people. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, certainly the, the, the people that got burned when they became social media experts and all of a sudden, you know, we didn't need social media experts anymore. And I think that's when people focus on a platform or something of that nature that can change, you know, there, there's a lot of danger in that. Or even, I think some cases, even industries. The one thing I've always advocated is if you get known as somebody who solves a certain kind of problem, that's probably never going to go away, you know. Right. So so for business owners, you know, I like to I like to say that we solve a certain type of problem. Um, and as I've been doing this for 30 years and that problem has never changed. Uh, the way we come at it maybe has changed, but we're not really we're not kind of putting ourselves in that peril of of getting becoming obsolete because I don't think problems will ever go away. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, if you become the expert in Vine and one day Twitter comes along, acquires Vine and then shuts it down entirely, your business is, you know, is going to crumble. Right. So there is a real danger in that. Or other people might have picked the wrong platform. They decide to pick Google Plus instead of Facebook or something. And, you know, a bunch of years of effort crumbles. But, you know, if you if you focus on transferable fundamentals like, you know, copywriting, for example, and you understand copy, you understand how to communicate to a market in a compelling way that will draw people to you, then it doesn't matter if you're teaching people how to do copywriting in the, in the context of a medium like YouTube videos or whether you're teaching people how to use copywriting in an effective way in the medium of a postcard that is mailed to people in the mail, right? Those are transferable fundamentals. So I, I, I agree. I think that it's about you know having those larger underlying skills that you can then apply to whatever medium it is, is the trending popular medium at the time. Because you know they're going to come and go. People are saying it about Facebook now. They're like, oh, Facebook will never leave. Oh, come on, please. Right. You know, at some point in the future, maybe Facebook won't be here. So you want to make sure that everything you do is not entirely just this one connected to this one platform. Well, and certainly, I mean, the Internet, you know, may go away even. Right. But certainly you've got to build your own real estate um, if you're going to be an expert. You've got to own that. And I, I, I still see a lot of small business owners, you know, putting putting their stake in Facebook and, and certainly it's an important awareness channel. Maybe it's even an important place for you to convert, uh, folks, but you're never going to own it. Yeah. I mean, I remember, 
You know, I was um, working for a law firm. This is before I became an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for about seven years now. But before then, I was working for a law firm as a lawyer. And I was writing regular, blogging regularly for the law firm's uh, blog. And then I read some advice and it said, you know, you need to own your own real estate. You need to not be a sharecropper. And, you know, and this was, it wasn't just talking about law, but it was talking about just as, you know, if, as a writer, if you're blogging for your, an employer's blog, then when you leave, all that content's going to be left behind. So that's when I thought, okay, you know, this is smart. I should start my own blog and create my own and then start to build my own land, so to speak. And so I shifted everything and it really, it, it took me down a much different path. And I'm glad that I did that. So I know that you do a lot of work with folks on uh, more effective networking. And again, networking, back in the day, you met, you went to the first Wednesday of the month meeting at the Chamber right. of Commerce. And right. certainly, certainly the, that platform has changed dramatically. So how has that impacted networking in, in the fact that we can do so much now without ever getting in a car and driving over and giving somebody a hug? <laughs> right. Well, I still think there's huge value to meeting face to face. I mean, you know, I've known of you for years, but it wasn't until October that we finally got to connect face to face. And you you, you never build a, quite the same relationship with someone until you meet up with them face to face. And so I think that's critical. I think it's important these days to to go out to meetups and conferences and, and industry socials and things like that in order to connect with people. On the other hand, we can connect just as easily with someone who lives in Kansas City or Paris or Dubai as easily as we can someone who lives down the road, thanks to the prevalence of social media platforms, which give us an ability to connect with people. So I think because of that, our world is changing. I think that we don't have to engage in this old fashioned going down to the Wednesday night, as you said, you know, or Wednesday morning, you know, chamber of commerce meeting or whatever it is, where you're essentially looking for a needle in a haystack. You know, there might be a hundred people there if you're lucky, you know, at this chapter and, you know, 99 of them might not be a good fit for you. And it takes a lot of time versus you can go and target a lot more in a lot more focused way, a lot more narrow way. You can target the specific market that you're going after and you can immerse yourself. And I call it, you know, going after a big pile of needles. Instead of the needle and haystack, you've got a big pile of needles and it's just a lot more effective. Imagine, you know, going to a conference with 10,000 of your perfect ideal prospects. I mean, that is just so much such a better, more effective use of your time if you went to that once a year rather than just going down to your local chamber of commerce every month or every week or whatever. And not to just, you know, I don't want to just meet, you know, beat on chamber of commerce, but all, there are other business meetups of similar types. So so I, I agree. I think that you can um, if you're if you're smarter about it, you can target a more specific uh, group and you don't need to do this kind of old school networking that people think of when they think of the word networking. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I never enjoyed that. Uh, no, so many people don't. They hate it. <laughs> yeah, and and I think you're, but I do think that uh, to your original point, there's nothing like meeting face to face. And I, I think the one thing that is really great about what we have in the online tools is that you can do that face-to-face meetup and then that in many cases opens the door you know the online tools then open the door to do some things maybe quicker than you 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 know instead of waiting around till next year's conference when we're going to see each other again something like that absolutely and what we're doing right now i mean i think everyone should have a podcast i don't even you shouldn't even care whether you're getting listeners or not you know i mean yeah obviously it's nice for people to listen but a podcast 
is such an effective tool for being able to connect with someone. I think I was just having breakfast with my wife earlier today and I was saying this to her. I was like, I think everyone should have a podcast because it gives you such a great tool to reach out, develop a relationship with the influencers in your field or peers or colleagues or clients or prospects. You know, it just gives you an excuse to have a conversation. And by the way, it doesn't have to be for a podcast. It could be for an article that you're writing or it could be you record it on video and you throw it up on YouTube or something like that. The point is to do it in an easy way where you're going to do it frequently enough and where you're going to be able to use it as an excuse to build or further a relationship uh, even, even further down the road. Longtime listeners of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast will have heard me say numerous times that my podcast has actually been probably one of the biggest assets of my business. Um, I do actually generate a significant ad revenue stream, but today, anyway, but when I first started, it just it it allowed me to send an email to Seth Godin and say, I'd like to promote your book <laughs> coming yes. out next month. Would you talk to me for 20 minutes? Uh, and he would return my email. Whereas if I'd said, hey, I'd love to pick your brain for 20 minutes. Well, you know, <laughs> right. we know where that would go. Hey, Seth, I'm going to be in New York. Will you meet me at Starbucks? You know, just take the train in, you know, just meet me at Starbucks and we'll just get a cup of coffee. It's never going to happen. Right. But because of the podcast, because of you're helping them, you're promoting them. It's a completely different conversation. And now, uh, again, since we're on this podcast topic, now I've been actually telling people, I think it's the number one SEO play right now uh, to be a guest on podcasts because everybody's you know been given the advice for the last couple of years that to get links back to your site, you've got to do all this guest blogging. And guest blogging is a real pain. You've got to write an article. You've got to pitch, pitch it to 2,000 people to get one to, yes. to say yeah. yes in a lot of cases. But if you go on a podcast, that podcaster quite often is really, really happy to promote that show and put it out there. And they're probably going to give you three or four links back. So um, that's where I get to put in my ad for podcastbookers.com, which is a service I started just for that, just for that reason. We're, we're using yeah. it now as an SEO ploy. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's Wasn't that awesome. I just got brilliant. like an ad right in the middle of the show. That was awesome. It was smooth as silk. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's such an effective strategy and it can, it, it is such a good use of your time because, you know, we were talking beforehand, you know, you could record it as a video and you can publish that on YouTube or some other platform. You can use the audio, obviously, uh, as a podcast and d on the different you know podcasting platforms. You can publish a blog post on your site every time that you do it. And I totally agree with you on guest posting strategy. And I say that as someone who wrote just, I don't know, dozens, hundreds of, of guest posts when I first started out and I was still building my presence online, including one on your site years ago. I wrote one on your site years ago. And it is a ton of work, a lot of work. And, you know, wouldn't you rather just pontificate and just speak your mind for a couple of minutes? Show up and throw up for 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. So let's uh, let's uh, go there to that thought leader idea, because obviously that's something that is a piece of what you're uh, teaching and helping people with. Um, how do we do effective outreach today? Again, I think the podcast what we, is a great way to do out, um, outreach. But I will tell you, I get five or six, probably closer to 10 uh, a day, you know, pitches from people that want to either guest post or want to do something or want me to talk about their product. And, and it seems like there's this uh, somebody has written a software program. Oh, I know <laughs> that uh, sends out six, you know, emails know. for everyone. So, uh, you know, how do we get away from that? Because I mean, th that's gotten so bad that I just, you know, I don't even look at them anymore. I know it, it is. Uh, there must be some software out there, right? That they, they just plug in the the 
the the name of the most recent episode, the guest on the most recent episode, you know, the platitude about why they love that episode, transition into why they should, you know, either them or their client should be a guest on your podcast. And I, I get those same, you know, emails. And it's just like, you know, it's not that much additional effort in order to be a lot more effective. So the first thing I say is don't just go out there pitching yourself. And I did do that years ago. I think now it's a lot less effective, but I did it at one point. I had a, an ebook out and I wanted to get myself on some shows and it, it did work for a little while, you know? Um, but now I think it's a lot less effective because anyone who's been podcasting for longer than a week and a half is, is receiving a ton of these types of emails. I think a better approach is to deliver value first long before you ever pitch yourself or or really never pitch yourself and really ideally you get to know the person and they once they get to know you they want to have you on you know your podcast um or start your own i mean honestly like some people say like oh, i don't want to start my own podcast that would be too co time consuming but which is more time consuming sending a thousand emails in order to get effective like 10 you know guest spots or starting your own podcast which if you delegate some of the other work of the actual running of the post-production, which I think you should, it's not that time consuming. It's just, it's the same amount of time consumption as just normal conversation that you have with peers and colleagues and that sort of thing. So, and, and then that will lead to interviews. So. Well, and I always tell people, you know, I've, I've been pitching podcasting to every kind of business. Obviously the experts, you know, get it, but if you sell software to medical practices, interview your doctors. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. your customers or they're yeah. your prospects. And it is, it's having conversations with your customers is never going to hurt you. You're going to learn oh. more about what you're doing. They're going to become more loyal. They're going to get plugged in. They're going to tell their friends I was on this podcast. So there's so many reasons for every business to do it. You're absolutely right. And that's how I first got started, actually, before even before it was even a podcast. I just started interviewing some of my past clients and current clients. And I remember this is about six, seven years ago now. I had a, a an entrepreneur who'd started a company that eventually went public. So he was actually a pretty successful entrepreneur, but he hired me only to write like an hour's worth of work to write a small little lease for a, a, a room he was renting out in his house. Today it would be handled by Airbnb, but back then I wrote a lease. And I was like, I researched this guy. I was like, wow, this is a really interesting guy. I'd love to have him as a client. How can I get more? And so after I did that, I said, hey, can I come interview you afterwards? And I ended up interviewing him. And I just literally published it on my blog. I think I transcribed it, put it in my blog. And then what do you know, like a month or so later, he ends up contacting me and saying, hey, is there anything, you know, is there something else you can do? Can you help me with something else? And I'm certain that that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for me taking the relationship further by doing that interview. So starting with your clients and your past clients and your prospects is a great place to start. You don't need to reach out to the Seth Godins of the world or the Tim Ferrisses of the world, which is what everyone does. They try and get those sorts of people. You don't need to do that. You know, maybe you do that eventually, but you don't need to do that when you're getting started. Let's talk about mentors. Um, that's a topic I haven't really covered for a while. It it seems like that idea, and maybe it's because we, we don't really need to go and curate a mentor relationship because we can have mentor relationships with you know every anybody who has a podcast maybe. I don't yeah. know. But uh, what, what's your take on the, the value and kind of process of mentorship? 
Yeah, I think that the old school notion of mentorship, as in it's someone who is going to take you under their wing, you're going to meet with them on a weekly basis, and they're going to teach you to be a master craftsman or something, you know, that's not what people expect these days. And and I think you're going to scare someone off if you approach them and say, hey, can you be my mentor? Because they're thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a huge burden, a huge responsibility. But I've got lots of people who I would consider my mentor and, you know, they, they're people who I go to from time to time. And I also try and keep the relationship one as much close to parity as possible. In other words, I want to deliver as much value to them as possible so that they want to help me so that they in turn want to turn around and give me advice. So I, I think that's a critical one. You know, look how you can help them. The worst thing you can do if you want to be mentored, especially by someone who's very successful in their career, very busy is to try and get as much out of them as possible and to not deliver value to them. I think delivering value to them is the way that you get mentorship these days. And I also want to just second what you said about, you know, you can get mentorship from anything these days, from listening to a podcast, YouTube books, that sort of thing. And actually, you will annoy those successful people who have put out books, who've spoken on stage, who have content out there, who've put a lot of content out there, they're trying to speak in a one-to-many capacity and get their message out. You send them an email for something that they've answered a hundred different times through their blog, their speeches, and videos and all that kind of stuff, and they're just going to be annoyed by that, you know? So you have to be sure that you, you know, take advantage of all those resources that are out there. All right, another hot topic, mastermind groups. Um, again, I think they have tremendous value and, and unfortunately it's one of those things that I, you, you see the internet marketing crowd, uh, really sucking up and, uh, yeah. um, and so now it's become a, you know, big business to run mastermind groups, but I think in their purest sense, and I, and I believe that you actually have that as part of rise 25. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So in, I think in their pure sense, they can be extremely valuable, but how do you, how do you find and kind of nurture that mastermind group that's really going to have value and not just be a sit around and chat. Yeah. You know, and I mean, uh, in some ways we wouldn't even be having this conversation if it weren't for mastermind groups, right? Because you and Michael Port have been in a mastermind group and he introduced us so that, you know, there's great value to them. I've been in mastermind groups for, for years, you know, um, not, first of all, not everyone knows what the idea is behind a mastermind group. A mastermind group is, you know, a collection and meeting of, of peers who exchange ideas on a regular basis. And it might be weekly, it might be monthly, it might be quarterly, it might be a free group of people who get together and it might be something that's paid. You pay a company like ours, Rise25, and um, in, in order to curate that kind of environment for you. And whatever you do, I say just try something. You know, give one of them a shot. I've been in good mastermind groups and I've been in bad mastermind groups. And sometimes you just decide this is not a good fit for me. I was in one a number of years back where I remember people just started complaining about other people that they'd seen who had achieved success who they didn't feel deserve that level of success and it was not constructive and that was not the type of environment I wanted to be a part of and so I dropped out of it shortly after that but you know I've been in one another mastermind group that I've been in now for about four years and we've all grown together one of my uh, one of my friends who's 
Bjork, who's in the mastermind group, he um when he, we started, he was like living in his parents' basement. And now he's like running like a multiple seven figure business. So it's really cool to have that kind of relationship. And and, you know, your your ideas can really feed off of one another. You can bounce ideas off of one another, it, you know, in a way that you can get that kind of candid feedback from people who really know you and know your needs and wants and likes and and, and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm a huge advocate of doing them. And I say try some out and see what what feels right for you. So tell us uh, where people can find out more about uh, the work that you're doing, uh, including that with uh, Rise25, John. Awesome, John. Thanks so much. So, um, yeah, I mean, Smart Business Revolution is my original blog and podcast. Rise25.com is the company that I run now with Dr. Jeremy Weiss. And, um, you know, stop by and, and say hello. Love to love to connect with people. All right. Thanks, John. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you next time we're out in uh, either San Francisco or Santa Barbara. That'd be great. Yeah. See you soon. 